everyone, welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. I am Andy Wood. Hey Andy. How's everything? Good, we're doing a speedy episode because we're on a time crunch oh, here. Yeah. And we've got a guest who I keep missing when she's in town. Well, we keep seeing each other but not near in recording equipment. In a professional equipment. capacity. Yeah, exactly. That is the voice of the fantastic Susie Kane. Hello. Comic, writer, actor. You've seen her in... I mean, everything. <laughs> you keep popping up in things. You popped up in Marin, in Extras... Uh, everything briefly. You're in Stan and Ollie. I am. That's I a am. fun film. That was a fantastic film. Were they good? They were very good. Yeah, I don't. It, Stan and Ollie is a, a film. It's a Laurel and Hardy film, uh, but because Laurel and Hardy are now dead, they had to use trickery to replace them with John C. <laughs> Riley and Steve Coogan. Don't tell everyone. I, it's on the Wikipedia page, so the secret is out. <laughs> but, Little movie magic there. But yeah. it's lovely, and if you haven't seen it, you should. It is a very lovely Watch film. It. It's yeah. very sweet, and uh, it's one of those rare movies. This shouldn't be the selling point on it because it's well acted and it's interesting. But also, the uh, the well fat suit that John C. Riley is wearing is not. You don't see it. Where I feel like every other time I've seen someone in one of those things, it's all you see in the movie. But in this, it's so good that it's just like it's you believe this is the character. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which again, they, is not the main thing about it. But also, it, they were robbed. They 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 should have had a. I think that the makeup should have had a. Oscar nom, a little yeah. nod, but I think they released it in the last week of December. And my theory is that the Oscar lot, the voters, were just completely confused and didn't think it was eligible because it was right, right on the cusp of not being able to be eligible. Oh, I think interesting! It was. Isn't, isn't that yeah. when everyone releases things that are prestige movies, though, so that they can be considered? Or? Right at the end of the year. So it, I think the Oscar process is, I, I believe. I might be wrong on this. Right in uh, January first to December thirty first, and and it was released, I think, out here. Just like barely 23rd before. of December or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. And it was a very limited release at first, I think, wasn't it? It was. It was a slow burn. But it's, you know, it's one of those ones. It's, it, it would be lovely to watch curled up on your sofa. It is. Definitely, definitely. Maybe with a glass of wine. Look at the vintage costumes. <laughs> and enjoy the... They do... They... they do a very like respectable job of recreating some of the classic bits of theirs like yeah it's amazing uh, to uh, see. yeah physically as well they, right. they they were so accurate as far as i can remember yep. have you have you guys been to the music box steps here uh yes i have where's that it's in uh well sort of silver lake going towards yeah sort of Echo east side of town Park. yeah and it's um where they pushed the big old whatever it was the strong piano type thing up the yeah the the Oh yeah, it's the tr- where, it's the it? one that goes down down the stairs, and they keep having to push it up. It's a piano. It was a piano. Okay, yeah. music box. So pianola. I yeah, guess. those guys couldn't get anything right. <laughs> they they why did they? Break? Why did they keep getting hired? Who kept even filming <laughs> oh, them? Really? There were so many more competent people they could have filmed at their <laughs> job, and they kept filming. They kept putting those two doofuses in there. There was a terrible fire service as well. Like the Keystone. Oh, they were policemen. <laughs> oh, policemen. I tell them cops. The Keystone cops. Yeah. The clues in the name of yeah. what, what their actual <laughs> job was. Well done, me. But again, I mean, just expert film analysis. For just me. incompetence. Just it was really so amazing. Bad. We've come a long way. Yeah. We really. have. I mean, now we're just racist, but at least <laughs> yeah. We've got Confident racist we can, police. We can drive a car. <laughs> yeah, at least. 
Yeah, I guess I, I would At least take... they put the right number of people in each vehicle. Jesus, how is LA even still in existence? My God. Matt and I worked on a show that was, uh, the production office was in the studio where they, they shot all those Keystone Cops movies oh, back cool. in like the, I don't know, was that the Yeah, 19-teens? for people who remember How to Build Anything, Everything. I can never remember the real name of it because it was originally called How to Build a Rocket Ship That's when we right. were working on it. Oh, really? And then they changed it because they thought people would be confused because it's not just rocket ships. But it was in Max Sennett Studios, who was an early director, and it's also the site where the the pie in the face gag was invented, which I can't wow. believe has a history that you can trace to one you person. You can actually trace that. Yeah, yeah it's there, uh, was a fir- there was a person who was the first to do the pie in the face. I feel that's sad. I feel that means that in the Henry VIII time, no one ever had the fun of putting a pie in anyone's I know, face. Well, I think back then happened. pies were so valued. <laughs> <laughs> it's because they were made from blackbirds. Yeah, exactly. Rare geese and peacocks. You'd have to be a lunatic to be shoving that (laughs) into the face of... What a waste. Some kind of clown. (laughs) It is good they settled on... I've done this as a bit, so I'm sorry for doing a bit on this, but it's good they settled on cream for the pie because if if it was like hot apple the first time out of the gates, that would have been horrible. (laughs) Fresh out of the oven. Ah, Someone just ah, gets it. ah, (laughs) Would have been awful. I think that was Mabel Norman was the name of it. Funny and then... Uh, scary and tragic and then really tragic too yeah. soon comedy yeah so it was Mabel Norman did a load of her films there and like again pioneer in silent comedies pioneer and pi- pioneer and pioneer oh we're punning got it hit. yeah the, the, I think they, there was pro- there was some fatty Arbuckle stuff and they uh, WC Field like, they had yeah, all I sorts of great it. stuff that was filmed there and in the basement they had all they still had some of the original props and loads of the oh, backdrops oh wow, really Really? See, yeah. that that would be mind blowing to me because uh, watching that, my dad always brought us up on silent movies onwards. So huge film buff. We always had a miniature cinema somewhere set up. Oh, cool! And dad now lives in. Mum and dad live in France, and he's converted a garage into a perfect miniature cinema. It's very very cool. Um, but watching that stuff to me as a kid in South London seems like a different dimension and then you come out here and there's the music box steps and you go Keystone Cots were in Silver Lake I yeah. think was it yeah. and you go I'm walking this is actually on the same planet as me yeah I know it's it's... With, it, I mean I guess Americans have a similar experience when they come to Europe for the first time and the actual <laughs> sort of Buckingham Palace and Tower Bridge and things like that that you the see queens on in there. collector's plates well I mean to be fair I've been to New York New York and Paris and Venice and all the great Las Vegas casinos right exactly so I don't really need to see yeah, actually you can just go to uh, Las Vegas and then you don't need to go to Venice you got it all. Or, yeah, or got canals, New York or... Eiffel Tower yeah it's I've the same it. experience just... I've mentioned this on the show before but, but one of my favourite bits that she only ever did once as far as I'm aware I, friend of the show April Richardson oh, yeah told a story on stage and I don't think she ever developed it into material because it, I think she's I think did she? maybe she did I, I still love that it's her ex-in-laws used to talk all the time about the European countries they visit or the different countries around the world like when they were in Paris when they were in France and when they were in Spain how and good all the they, pasta was in Italy and- yeah and all they'd been to was Epcot <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Mind you, Epcot did a very good job it's, of recreating. They really get it down. That's good. So they just lived in a gondola when they went through the restaurant in yeah. Venice, as yeah. I recall. So aside from being brought up on cinema, uh, what were you brought up on science in any way? What was your background <laughs> in science? We like to ask our guests this before we get into the stories. So the number of scientists in my family on both sides if you go back about four generations, is zero. Okay. okay. Four generations. So, hi. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> uh, and I, I think I've failed biology, 
which is weird to me because uh, I did quite well at physics. So, uh, okay, that. That, that sounds like what we're about. I mean, I think Matt and I are both. We've made no uh, secret of the fact that we're not good at life sciences, but we like the <laughs> hard sciences. Math and physics kind Math of stuff. Math and physics. Right? I just, I found biology too much memorizing things and also drawing pictures of cells and I'm not, I don't, I'm not artistically inclined. Well, I'm I, bad at recreating I, pictures. It was, uh, there was something about it, even though I basically wanted to be a Yorkshire vet at one point because I was watching a British TV show called All Creatures Great and Small. Right. Um, so specifically Yorkshire. Specifically Yorkshire. As in the only animals would be Yorkshire Terriers that you could treat. And Whippets. And, and, and Whippets okay. and you know, just endlessly pregnant cows. For some reason, that's okay. all I could have remember now yep. about that TV show. I just hand up the. Um, but um, uh, but I, they said, I said to my teacher, um, "Do you think I could be a vet?" And I was at a pretty posh school, you know, like the lowest bog standard uh, classmate would probably be able to do whatever they wanted to. And she just looked at me and went, "No." Oh. <laughs> I went, "Oh, okay, all right." So that was our little dream. Right. Teachers aren't really meant to do that, are they? Yeah, yeah, just like, encourage enthusiasm no, no matter all. what. Not a hope in hell. I mean, it was just a week that I wanted to be a vet and not something in the arts, to be fair. And I think right. I probably had figured that I one mean, out. I mean, yeah, if we were being honest, you probably wanted to play a vet in a weekly TV show. You see, that's exactly right. I wanted to be... <laughs> In that TV show right. set in Yorkshire where I got to play with animals. In fact, I still would like that. That would still be my dream job. Where maybe if you were cast to be a regular, they'd sort out like a, a week of work experience and with a real vet, like work shadowing with a vet just oh, to get the feel of it. That would be great. As long as there were like no deaths. Uh, I don't want to see any of the deaths. I want the cute small baby ones. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to work your way. I, I think we're only quoting other comics bits now, but I think to get to the point where you don't see death as a vet, you have to go through a lot of the seeing the death stuff. Because like, why would they sit anybody except for like the new, like the interns to to deal with the, yeah, there's no veterinary yeah. hospital. It's all roses. It's going to be. I'm pretty sure day one of vetting, you get the hose and the bucket. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah you get a plastic and bag a full of nightmares. Yeah. yeah why do you want to be a vet? Well, I want to work with animals and then just death, just yeah. death, dead, dead animals everywhere. Um, Speaking yeah. of, of discouraging people, I was trying to really quickly find the Chuck Yeager tweet. It's my favorite tweet of all time. Do you remember I, that? I don't know what. Chuck Yeager, the man who broke the sound barrier and I think is like probably it, approaching 100 years old, is on right. Twitter and he's just I didn't very, know that. very frank with his answers to I people. I follow a fair oh, really? few astronauts on Twitter. They're a treat. Some I, of the older astronauts. Astro Wheels. I follow Astro Wheels. Oh, which one's that? I don't know. Can't even remember his name. I think he was the one who did the music video. I think I follow him. Oh, no, that's uh, Chris Hadfield. So who's Astro Wheels? Oh, I think Astro Wheels might Astro be Buzz Wheels. Aldrin. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm going to find out. Maybe. Am I allowed to do this? Buzz Aldrin, I'm pretty sure, is the real Buzz or Buzz Aldrin or something like that. Chuck Yeager is Jen Chuck Yeager, and I can't find it quickly, but I think somebody just asked him, on behalf of her son who wanted to be a pilot or astronaut or something, uh, can he do this even though his eyesight is, there was something wrong with his eyesight, and he just wrote back and said no. <laughs> it's an entire tweet from Chuck Yeager. But yeah, you get to a certain age, yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. it doesn't matter. Nope. It doesn't matter. He wasn't suggesting some other field to go into. It's adjacent. It's just like... No. There is also... The older you get, the the f- the less discreet and uh, you don't have time. You become. Yeah. Who has I, time for all the pleasantries? I think not just you don't have time, but also you. I think that apparently there is a thing. My friend Helen, who I think listens to the show, hey Helen, and she's a doctor, Hi, was telling me that the parts of your brain that deteriorate the quickest as you get older 
are tact. It's I, I, I can't, again I can't remember which bit of the brain it specifically is, but it's the same that gets impaired when you're drunk. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right. Which is why one of the reasons older people are more likely just to blurt something <laughs> old people and young people because it also develops later right interesting. so why both young kids and old people are quite likely to just say something incredibly tactless and blunt yes does that mean it's also super fun to be an old person i think it must be i hope that's a side effect I, of that yeah i think there's there's be. aspects to aging that aren't that pleasant and what but one of the plus sides <laughs> is you sort of get a pass to say really mean <laughs> things to people right. there should be an age cut off though where your twitter account just gets taken away from yes. you because so you don't unravel yep. all of the years of goodwill from your <laughs> years on twitter or your career uh, and then they start to undo it the older uh, you get and david also- crosby is also very blunt on Twitter. I don't think he's old enough for that to be. His no, I think he would. I think he would have been the same dick if Twitter had existed yeah. in the 60s. <laughs> oh, here we are. Doug Wheelock, test pilot, NASA astronaut, who uh, his Twitter pre- profile is at Astro Wheels. Astro Wheels. Yeah, I've just plugged this guy. I don't Give know him why. A I'm, I'm, I'm following him. I don't know why, but I am. <laughs> why not? There you are. That's sciencey. You got a story for I us, Andy? I do. Yeah, we were talking last week, I believe, about um, a possible solution to our plastic woes. And then this attention-grabbing headline came out, which was, uh, "You could be swallowing a credit card's worth, a credit card's weight in plastic every week." So wait a minute. Credit card's weight, weight. in plastic. A credit card's weight, weight but not, plastic. but not mass. Why would they? I oh, mean, no, like, I, think I can get my mass. head around mass, the mass, right? They mean. I mean, that's the that, only way to measure amount. mass is by yes, weighing. Yes, that's the same, same thing weight. if you're talking within the same gravitational field. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> oh wait, roughly. I'm sorry, I, I said something hmm. wrong. That it's not the only way to measure mass is by weighing things but it's one of the ways but let's just get that straight sure um but yeah so you're swallowing a credit card's weight in plastic every week which is especially problematic i, I don't want to tacitly condone the out of control spending habits of the spiders who are already down there who have been <laughs> swallowing all year long um which we've debunked that right the swallowing spiders thing that's not true we did yeah we remember Thank that God. one episode where we actually swallowed multiple spiders <laughs> and then realized that it felt differently to how we normally feel <laughs> So yeah, globally, we're ingesting an average of five grams of plastic every week, which is the equivalent of a credit card. Again, they give it in grams, which is mass, not weight. So they uh, now, where's it from? Is it from plastic bottles? Is it from plastic? I think it's containers? from credit cards. Because <laughs> we we, the, the we keep eating them, yeah. In our sleeves, weirdly. It comes from microplastics, which are smaller than five millimeters, um, which are making their way into our food, drinking water, and even the air. So around the world, people ingest an average of around 2,000 microplastic particles a week, according to a study uh, by the University of Newcastle in Australia. I can believe that. That's if, if Just thinking about things like the amount of our food that is wrapped in plastic before mm-hmm. you even start, and just you get most of it off, but tiny as you tear the cellophane, little microscopic bits fall off in that. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, your clothing now has pl- so much clothing has plastic in it. Yeah. yeah, just little bits of that crumble off as gets mixed up with the general dust that you breathe. Yep. So some would go to your lungs. Some would go to. I'm trying to see the silver lining here. I don't. Some would know go that to the stomach. And also, do we expel it all, or does it retain a little bit in our? Um, what is it? We just don't know yet. We, I believe uh, that we don't know the full extent of why it's bad for. Us. It's not good for us, certainly. Um, so yeah, these, these originate from a lot of sources, including clothes fibers, microbeads from toothpastes. And what's oh, right, because also, uh, didn't they only recently ban those... Um, microbeads. In in like exfoliants. Yeah, yeah that's a thing. Yeah, a lot of... Yeah, 
I was kind of gutted about that. I didn't realize they were bad, but I loved them. <laughs> Delicious. I, they, it was so yummy. <laughs> it really exfoliated my windpipe. Yeah, they're not as good as those little and, and packets. And you sing you as well, so it's important yeah. to have a very... so important yeah. to exfoliate regularly. Yeah. And then moisturize. Right. <laughs> with um, olive oil. Sorry, Andy, you were... I was just making a silica gel joke, obviously. Uh, you don't eat the little packet in there, it's as delicious as it looks. Um, so yeah, bigger plastic pieces can gradually break into smaller pieces when they're thrown away and exposed to the elements. Um, that Those make their way into our rivers and oceans, can be eaten by fish, and then those could just end up part of the food chain that we're part of. Um, they're found in everyday foods and drinks, such as water, beer, shellfish, and salt. Uh, it's very clear the issue, issue of microplastics is a global one. Even if countries clean up their backyard, it doesn't mean they'll be safe as those microplastic particles could be entering from other sources. So wait a minute. So if fish, a lot of this is about the fish, the stuff in the ocean. Yeah, I think That's so. the same problem with mercury. Um, so if we're eating, wait, if they're eating plastic because they're swallowing it or eating it in the water, does it not then go out of them? Like what? I don't, Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah, where is it? Is it is it not then expelled from? It would them? seem that seems logical to me, but I'm guessing these are small enough pieces that they don't all make their way through. I don't know why I'm just making up what. <laughs> just make it up. Let me continue. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. So here's what happens. Yeah. So we do get about 17 or as many as 1769, that's such a specific number, particles of plastic every week just by drinking water, which is either Jeez. if it's bottled or from the tap. Um, but there oh could God. be large regional variations. This is terrifying. Yeah. There's almost twice as much plastic in the water in the U.S. and India than in European or Indonesian tap water. Hooray! We win! Yeah. A separate study this month found out that Americans eat, drink, and breathe between 74,000 and 121,000 microplastic particles each year. And those who exclusively drink bottled water rather than tap water can add up to 90,000 wow. extra plastic particles See, this to their is, yearly total. This is uh, Canada just, I read, was it today or yesterday? Uh, Trudeau uh, announced that they're going to try and get rid of single-use plastics within a, a year. That a might, year? That, 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 Good luck. Like, I just made that one up as well. But That's at, at some time frame, he's talking about completely eradicating it, which mm -hmm. is incredible for a country that size to be talking about it. Yeah. But also, I think that's probably where we're going to have to go. I yeah, guess. it's obviously not a sustainable thing. Like it's, Everyone's worried about straws. I'm like, look at the number of bottles we go through every day. Oh I mean, straws God. are bad too, but I can't believe it'd be anywhere near what we do. In Within the next two years, you're almost bottles. dead on. Are they okay? That was Canada bad. will ban single-use plastics. Mm. And I mean, the plastic bottle thing, We, I would have thought the glass bottles have got to come back. But then, for all I know, there's stuff going on with the glass as well. Well, but you wouldn't go through as many of those, right? I mean, I, they can't be as bad. I guess. I mean, because you can reuse them. Yeah. So presumably things aren't breaking down as much. I mean, I've always been told never, ever leave plastic water bottles, if you've got one, in your car. If it's hot. Because the heat makes it... I do that because all the time and I know you're heat. not meant to because no, it, it breaks it down. And no. I'm quite OCD about that sort of thing. And so if I spot something that might have been just a little bit in the sun, I won't go anywhere near it if it's plastic. Throw away and buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah, which is great for the planet, <laughs> yeah. guys. So just do what I do. <laughs> I, just, the... I just pour water straight into the little cup wells in my car and then I scoop it out <laughs> with my hand when I'm driving. <laughs> It's really saving messy. The, saving just, the planet. It's such, yeah. a, such a nice gesture. Um, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, well, I was just being more... They've got those new straws that I really like. They, this this recent trip out to LA, I got here about a month ago uh, this time, and I have now noticed the little natural bamboo straws 
oh yeah everywhere the the, the and they you, you know if you sort of snap them they are just made of straw they're completely natural and you go well this is obviously how straws oh, originated because <laughs> they're called straws right. why did we ever go to plastic and make that why don't we just keep to the natural yeah. ones yeah I, I mean because it's got to be way more expensive i'm um, sure it is yeah it's quite cool though I don't like the paper ones. I mean, whatever. I know we got to stop using plastic, but paper straws will last about two sips and then they're just a they're soggy just mess. They're sticking to your lip. And you're, yeah. yeah. And it's all because of that nine-year-old who made up that statistic about straws nine years ago. What? Do you know? The, you don't know the story of this? No. The whole reason everyone's mad about straws is because of a nine-year-old's like back-of-the-envelope calculations for like a science project that everyone then published as fact about straws. <laughs> It's complete bullshit. I mean, yes, we use too many straws. We use too much plastic of all kind, but like... What was the fact? Okay, one second. Now we're derailing. But uh, let me just sum up this last thing really quickly, or at least point out that... So the main thing is water, which accounts for about 1,800 uh, of the particles you ingest every week. But 182 of those come from shellfish, which is dangerous because their whole digestive system gets eaten. Um, So that would be, I guess, where their plastics are living. so depressing. I love shellfish. Well, it's my favorite. Still water's worse, so stop drinking water and you'll solve this problem. <laughs> uh, so the anti-straw movement is all based on one nine-year-old suspect statistic. <laughs> this is from USA Today. I don't think this is too par- partisan of a, of a source. So yeah, the origin of this movement may come as a surprise. It began with a nine-year-old named Milo Kress and his 2011 campaign, Be Straw Free. His big finding, Americans use more than 500 million drinking straws daily, enough to fill 125 school buses. That figure has become highly touted since referred in straw ban coverage from the New York Times, National Geographic, and reports by the National Park Service. Um, now 16 years old, Crest just finished his junior year of high school and finds himself the face of a movement felt by global chains from Starbucks to McDonald's. But it's not without criticism, especially of his statistic. <laughs> so it started years ago when he noticed the trend while he was out to eat. He would see people take the plastic straws out of their drinks and put them on the table, never actually using them. It didn't sit right with him. Again, nine-year-old, nine-year-old. <laughs> He said, I thought if restaurants were to offer a straw and st- to offer a straw instead of serving them with every drink, it would really reduce the number of straws. So then he talked to a restaurant to ask if they would adopt this policy, uh, blah, 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 blah. He talked to restaurants, politicians, um, but then he started doing research, again, nine-year-old, um, <laughs> into, into plastics in the environment. He noticed there wasn't much data. He said, I couldn't find anything on their use in the, in the U.S., so he called straw manufacturers himself, asking what they estimated to be the straw market in the U.S. per day. Wow. Some gave him a yearly estimate, which he divided by 365. Others gave an estimate of around 500 million straws. That was the number I stuck to. So again, Wait, what number been... is this nine-year-old calling where he gets someone on the end of the phone I going, know. whoa. The straw hotline. <laughs> and and also clearly the expert on the phone. Right, right. <laughs> Straight <laughs> in. Hello, I am nine-year-old <laughs> But, and I don't want to align myself with his critics, who are people like Fox News and other right. conservative-leaning things. But and also, it is just funny that a nine-year-old is the reason we all yeah. believe this. Is and also, let's say, let's not... I mean, it was also a nine-year-old scientist who discovered that it's not necessarily who smelt it, it, who dealt <laughs> it. But, like, sometimes it is the person who denied it who actually supplied it. So... Yeah. <laughs> Stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah, you know sure, who still some... uses straws, though, where it doesn't ask you for permission first to put them in? dive bars and he won't be old enough to check that out yeah yet, so he won't know yeah mm-hmm. how many how many he's 16 now school he buses of that yeah fake idea. <laughs> but 125 school buses a day that's definitely not true there's no way that's true i mean just intuitively there's no, i don't know uh don't know. but again we use way too many plastics but i don't think straws are the main culprit 
Uh, well, he- here's something we can do if the planet gets too filled up with straws. Place we can escape to if we have a spare $35,000 a night. That's actually surprisingly cheap. I thought so too, yeah. This is a story that listener Andrew sent in. NASA is to allow tourists to visit the International Space Station from 2020. That's what? next year. What? Priced at 35 grand a night in US dollars. That's 27,500 that's the pounds. stay, not the trip. That's the that stay. That is to stay, yes. So it would be like if you could get a hotel room at the Four Seasons for a dollar, but your Uber there costs 400000 Because <laughs> right. how much does the ride there yeah. cost? It is definitely, let's, let's find out. But there's going to be two possible potential private companies that are on the verge of offering. Well, Virgin's one, isn't it? Uh, oh, we're not allowed to say that. No, I don't think Virgin uh, is now. I thought Branson I think they stopped having it. their... Oh, really? Yeah, I think Branson... Because Branson had the... And that wasn't actually going to go up to the ISS. That was just going to go into a low-Earth orbit. It was almost right. a sort of plane with extra. Yeah. And But I think that project is currently on hold because they, they had a crash and they had some other problems. But SpaceX, which is Elon Musk's company, and also Boeing. So SpaceX is going to use its Dragon capsule and Boeing's building a spacecraft called the Starliner. These companies are likely to cool. charge any private astronaut a similar taxi fare to what they intend to charge NASA for its astronauts, <laughs> close to $60 million a flight. So, okay, right. so that's a little pricier. Yeah, 2,000 many... times what it costs to stay at the station is the cost of getting to the station. Yes. Uh, Dennis Tito, the U.S. businessman, was the first tourist to visit when he paid Russia around $20 million Wow. for a round trip. Jesus. You've probably covered this before in previous podcasts, but would you two go if you had a free trip up there? Oh, 100%. Well, 100%. Yes, but we, we we got lazy. Like when we started this podcast back in 2012, they had an open sort of casting call for civilian astronauts and we met the criteria for age and previous <laughs> When STEM. you say we, this was I was not on the list because I'm a Brit and it had, they had right. to be American oh, okay. citizens, but Andy and the original third host, Brooks, both had STEM <laughs> degrees. we could have applied. Oh, wow. Both had STEM degrees and... You know, could probably... what else was the requirement. You look good in sunglasses sure. walking slowly towards yeah. <laughs> a vehicle. That was one of the criteria. But yeah. we just never followed through and applied it. I'm pretty sure that window is closed for me now, <laughs> seven years later. I don't know. Well, not when yeah, this podcast makes you 20 million an episode. I mean, we should go as, as yeah. the people documenting... Well, yeah, once we can pay for it that way, but also they should just let us go to, to, to podcast about it because that's an important part of the <laughs> space And by the way, also process. thank you to the anonymous donor who, who gives $19,999,999 a week to our show. So that's <laughs> much appreciated. We know you don't like to be mentioned by name, but you know who you are. Probably. Like, you probably know who you are, and we, we're very grateful to you. Above and beyond so that we can go above and beyond. Um, yeah, I would go. You wouldn't go if it was free? No, absolutely not. No. What would have to happen to make you be okay with it? Um, wow. They'd have to put me out for the trip. There's no way I would want to go the entire trip. So then you... Like sort of like B.A. Baraka style? (laughs) You just eat a sandwich (laughs) and wake up in space? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly that. So, I mean, I'd be all right once I'm there, except I probably wouldn't because I'd probably just be throwing up from the zero gravity, which I presume, unless they have gravity on that. I know nothing no, about yeah. This. I, have, <laughs> I have heard that if you turn your head quickly in zero gravity, no matter how well adjusted you are to zero gravity, you'll get nauseous. Wow. Yeah. 
no nothing nothing it about it appeals like i i would i don't see oh, the, I, I, here's the thing you can't stick your head out the window and go i'm looking directly at the earth or the moon you're looking you're always going to be looking through very thick glass right. so just simulate it let me you know have a really we've got so much amazing digital technology now that i'd be very happy to just but I'm sure. I'm surprised there actually isn't. There, pro- there might actually be now. I'm surprised if there isn't. I, I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they bring a sort of VR 360 camera up to the ISS and let exactly. You sort of- They're going to. Oh, they're yeah. bound they- to do it. Bound to. And then so you that's- could just put on a headset, but you wouldn't be. You, you obviously know. wouldn't get many of this. But it w- that would be a pretty cool thing. Well, but no, I still like would. A- I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to go. Wow. Yeah, 100%. you're very brave. You're no, very I don't think. Brave. I think it's just sort of the payoff is so. Obviously, you'd be nervous as hell it's strapped the into the thing. Claustrophobia of those, you know, those things that you go up in. I don't goes, get. I, th- I'm lucky in that respect. I don't get claustrophobic. You I know? like. I like enclosed spaces. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy I like, them. I like being <laughs> being hugged by uh, <laughs> extra gravity and some equipment. It would feel nice. It feels secure. It's like. <laughs> It's like a galactic cuddle. <laughs> it's like those dogs that want like thunder coats when it's when it's a lightning storm. You know, you put those heavy things on dogs so they yeah. feel secure. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like that, but with we gotta go right to sleep. I'd be the best astronaut. <laughs> be you know, like there's people who get on a plane and before it's even like, straight be out. out, be out. <laughs> That's when I fall asleep. Is when the g forces on the plane. Seriously, when the plane takes off, yep. that puts me to sleep. <laughs> And it then does. your fellow astronauts would know that, oh, he's not going to be any bother. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to try and strike up some awkward he's small talk conversation. <laughs> what, what, what do you do for a living? Astronaut? Oh, okay. How long have you been doing that for? <laughs> uh, my friend's an astronaut. <laughs> How about this weather? There's literally no weather here. <laughs> We're above the atmosphere. Um, yeah, I would go, but maybe like not for more than like a week. I think after a week it would get get old. I wouldn't do like the Mars trip or something where it's a year. That's insane. No, but I would do a week on the space station. I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. And worst case, you could always just. Uh, I guess there's a lot of worst cases. Wait, forget it. No, <laughs> yeah, no. the worst cases are death. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, even that. I mean, that's obviously horrible for your loved ones, but. That version of it is... It's a pretty quick death, probably. Yeah, the Challenger, whatever, horrendous, and particularly horrendous for the people at home, but it is, you know... No, Challenger's the exception. Challenger was not quick, and that's what was so tragic about it. Oh, hang on, I'm getting... Yes, yeah, you're right. Columbia was probably pretty quick, but Challenger, if they found out later on, like that capsule was pretty intact until it hit the water. Can we rank the uh, deaths in order of Columbia would have been the quickest. Okay. Disintegration, burning up, and Challenger, it looked like everything blew up at once, but I think the thing that the astronauts were in survived the initial explosion, which they don't talk about much, wow. and they survived maybe until it hit the water, which was another like couple minutes oh, of wow. just abject terror. Not to bring it down. Yeah, yeah sorry. And so, then Apollo One. And then Apollo One would have been very quick, right? Uh, I think it was pretty. That was yeah. slowish. That wasn't. Oh, I thought it was an explosion. But it was it was a fire. It was like a superheated fire. So. Oh no! Oh, yeah. I thought it was an explosion from underneath that just took everything out at once so just to repeat i don't want to go up okay into, no yeah uh, there's space. lots of reasons not to yeah yeah but if aside from that stuff like the terror of just uh the solitude i don't think would wouldn't set it until you're on like the mars mission that would be <laughs> when you can't even see earth that would probably inject some sort i've of... listened to rocket man i know how lonely it is up there it ain't the kind of place to raise your kids <laughs> in fact it's cold as hell <laughs> do you think it was cold do you think it would be cold? I think it would be very cold. I think even in direct sun... Wait, no, actually, hold on a second. They don't have little bar heaters. <laughs> no, but I don't know if... Do you get in on a Martian day, does it get really hot if you don't have... 
I think I'm trying to remember what the range of temperatures is on Mars without looking it up, but I think there are it, at huge its peak, variance because of the lack of atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. I think when you're in direct sunlight, although you are a fair bit further away from the sun than you are on Earth, so even you don't have the ozone layer to protect you, but you do have that distance. Let's find out. Yeah. So um, the differing values have been reported for the average temperature on Mars, with the common value being negative sixty-three Celsius. Uh, surface temperatures may reach a high of 68 degrees Fahrenheit at noon, 20 degrees Celsius. Okay, that's very reasonable at the equator. Oh, it it says it can get up to about 27 Celsius, 80 Fahrenheit. Still very bearable. That's that's very pleasant. That's like a nice English summer. summer. That's the kind of, that's a level of summer's day that really gets everyone out to the park. Yeah. And then um, negative 153 Celsius at the poles. Yep. So that's pretty cold. (laughs) That's yeah, right. Yeah, it so, looks like the winter pole it can it can drop down to yeah minus one hundred and thirty three Celsius according <laughs> to this article I'm reading, which is minus two hundred and seven Fahrenheit. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty that's quite nippy. <laughs> that's quite yeah. like that's a bit Edinburgh. Yeah, you want your gloves on for that one. <laughs> you do. Even if you're a true Scots person, <laughs> you're definitely Ooh. no wandering outside in a mini skirt or no. a t-shirt in that weather. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Was that Scottish? Yes. It was accurate. Very <laughs> accurate. Accurately Scottish. You guys, speaking of people who are in dire straits up on Mars, I just happened to see this as I was looking up the Martian temperature. Uh, InSight is stuck in the soil on Mars right now. Oh, InSight. Just, just oh, as of today. What have you done, InSight? InSight. Ah. Wow. Sorry. So he's good. Hey, was, that, was that InSight just then? <laughs> Wait, I think we're losing contact. InSight, you're still there. Oh, oh insight. insight. Wow, we, we can't stay mad at you, Insight. <laughs> Insight's tried his best up there. I you, tried. You are so hilariously bumbling. <laughs> I'm starting to think we shouldn't have hired the Keystone uh, <laughs> physicists to make this planetary probe. I mean, yes, it's entertaining, but we are losing a lot of science. <laughs> and There's money. Big investment in this. Oh, I know that Insight also has a hard out coming up this evening. Insight, uh, do you have to leave us soon, or how much time do you have? I'm sleepy. <laughs> oh no! Oh, stay with us. Stay with oh, us, Insight. It's cold up here. <laughs> well, well, should we wrap this up with a? <laughs> Why did we make Insight so adorable and so oh, Insight vulnerable? <laughs> So adorably helpless. Yeah. That was a design flaw. <laughs> Why did we give him a cough? We shouldn't have given him a cough. Why do we program a cough? It's just going to make us feel bad. There's Insight. got to be a better way to let you know that it's in trouble. Yeah. The cough. What's, what's they say? What was that song they sang to the, the one that died before? Oh, uh, Daisy, uh, Bicycle Build for Two from 2001. Was that what they sang? Or that's what it was singing, right? Daisy. Uh, Chris Nelson sent in this story about a an 80 mile wide ladybug swarm visible on the weather radar around LA. Oh, that wow. looks like a rain cloud, but in reality, the massive blob showing up on Tuesday evening on the National Weather Service's radar in San Diego County was just a lot of ladybugs. 
That wow. lines up. There was a ladybug in our office on Tuesday. Ah, uh, that's where it comes from. Yeah. That one got lost. Yeah. Oh, that poor. There's probably a Pixar movie in the works about that ladybug, <laughs> yes, right? Finding, Trying to find a swarm. Finding buggy. Yeah. They aren't in a concentrated mass. They are, it appears to be about 80 miles by 80 miles. They are spread throughout what? the sky, flying between 5,000 and 9,000 feet, with the most concentrated mass about 10 miles wide. What do they want? <laughs> can, can they be reasoned with? <laughs> They're organizing. Yeah, what's, says, what's the density at its dense? How many like uh, ladybugs per cubic foot? Like, what's the? It says um, they're not dense like a cloud. The observer said you could see little specks flying by. California is home to about two hundred species of ladybugs, including the convergent lady beetle. Each spring, after temperatures reach 65 degrees, adult convergent lady beetles mate and migrate from the Sierra Nevada to valley areas where they eat aphids and lay eggs. In the early summer, once the aphid numbers decline, beetles become hungry and migrate to higher elevations. Wasn't immediately known what type of ladybugs were causing the phenomenon, but at least, says this LA Times article, it wasn't locusts. Oh, hey yeah, guys. True. Yeah. Because. <laughs> That would be that would be worse than ladybugs. Apocalyptic, b- b- biblical. But here, here's a picture. Of it that's the. So all of Southern California just right. suddenly got a lot of luck. Aren't they lucky when they land on you? I guess they are. You're not supposed to swat them away. Is that not a British? I used to thing? love ladybugs. We call them ladybirds in uh, in Britain. I, I always oh, used is... to love them. We used to call them ladybirds. Is that what that na- what that term means? Like what is Ladybird Johnson is named for? I never knew what uh, what a ladybird was. I guess so because she was wife. she had the, those two shells going on in the spots. The little antenna. Yeah, they're the two facts. I know she was married to Lyndon B. Johnson, and she had a hard exterior, <laughs> covered in, <laughs> and she swarmed in the summer <laughs> yeah. with thousands of her friends. Also, I just called her a first wife, which is not a term. First lady is a term. First I swear wife. I'm from this country. First I, wife is a term, but it's a... But, uh, <laughs> maybe she's also LBJ's first wife. I don't know. I think she was. I think she was his first and only wife. Probably. I would be sad if my husband referred to me regularly as my first wife. Yes. I'd be... Uh, oh, the okay. first wife of my relationships. <laughs> so far. So there's no, there's no uh, negative to this ladybug story, right? It's a pure positive swarm. I mean, if you're an aphid, it's pretty bad. Okay, yes. So we're welcoming our new ladybug overlords. (laughs) Yeah. Basically. With open wings. (laughs) Or whatever you call their things when they... They're wings, but like shells also, right? Or the shell covers the wings. Oh. Do the wings become... Do the shells become wings? I think the wings are under the... Under the shell. I think it lifts up. Uh, I might be wrong with that. Let's find I'm not out. A real scientist. How Do many ladybugs lady will we ingest this bird. coming week? Like a credit card's worth of ladybugs? Wings. Oh, that'd be sad. Uh, the shell. Okay, I, I started typing things in the wrong order, so I'm now Googling <laughs> the phrase Do ladybirds wings the shell? <laughs> Do they wings the shell? And, well, Do, they? Do they wings the shell? Do they wings the shell? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I, have, that... I have questions. Insight. Do insight the is that. Birds. Do the ladybirds wings, wings the, sh- the shell? <laughs> We've we've got we've got we've got a connection to Insight again. Insight, what are you trying to tell us? Uh, there's no ladybird here. Oh, just me. So l- they have a shell or hard case that protects the wings and also protects them from predators. There you are. See, I could have been a vet. The yeah, elytra right. is also the part that shows the ladybugs colors and patterns to predators to warn them off. 
It is exactly the same on the right side as as it is on the left. It is a mirror image. So it's not exactly the same. It's a mirror image or symmetrical. <laughs> yeah, report that. Yeah. Inaccuracy. Stupid ladybuglifecycle.com <laughs> backslash ladybuganatomy.html. That is the exact site. That... That's, that's a website. Sure. There are hyphens, by the way, between each of the words in case you're trying to find that link. I might forget to put that in the show notes. It is ladybug-life-cycle.com slash ladybug-anatomy.html. We have made a very specifically nerdy web admin very happy today. Yeah. <laughs> the guy who's spending an inordinate amount of money very specific website. Very yeah. specific. It's... I need this particular knowledge out there. <laughs> I won't rest until it's done with my HTML page. It's... Uh... Oh, it's most. I'm looking at it now. Most of the the website is about ladybugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad to hear that. It is mostly a ladybug, but and then, then it's got... just some light uh, recipes for summer. Yeah, just 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 randomly. And his theories about who controls the banks. Right. So... Well, of course, clearly. <laughs> well, it's just like one page about ladybugs, and it just like, just and I'll tell you another thing about. <laughs> Really inappropriately. Yeah. Like, it's oh, a, wow, he went down a really dark. Uh, it's an incel blog. He went that down also a real mentions. dark hole <laughs> yes. with that third webpage. Wow. For, it, it is not, by the way, in case ladybug-lifecycle.com is listening to this. I apologize. We're really sorry. It is almost exclusively ladybug based. Right. And I thank you for your service and your duty and you staying neutral on all other matters. Continuing to do so, please. It is a very pro-ladybug fact yeah. and lacking in almost anything else website. <laughs> I actually found a story we could do in literally 30 seconds. If we what have time it, what is it? We'll probably need the to. other end of the fauna spectrum, size-wise and flying-wise from the ladybug, or the same, basically, uh, basically, it turns out that baby pterodactyls could fly from birth. Which is adorable, isn't it? Oh, you can sort of birth them in the air and just let them go. Yeah. Wow. How do they know that? How do they um, know that? I will get to it. Uh, previously, pterodactyls were thought to only be able to take to the air once they had grown to almost full size, which was based on fossilized embryos. Um, but they were able to disprove this hypothesis. They compared embryos with data on prenatal growth in birds and crocodiles, finding that they were still at an early stage of development, a long way from hatching. Discovery of more advanced embryos in China and Argentina that died just before they hatched provided the evidence that pterodactyls had the ability to fly from birth. Blimey. Doesn't mean that they could, though. I mean, they, it doesn't mean that their brains had figured out. That's true, how although to most fly. animals do have most of those instincts from very early on. Like, but, they can, but, but they're like so much more useful than. They flap yeah. a bit, but they don't, they only kind of. I've, I've watched cartoons with small chicks. Yeah. I know exactly. We all what have. happened with. Also, I just want, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for having typed pterodactyls in the show notes and not got an underline. Oh, oh right, P first time. PT? Yeah. Yeah. ACTYL? Yep. Oh, cool. Interesting. Look yeah. at you, Susie Kane. Come on, spelling B Kane. Su Susie, when you're not accurately spelling <laughs> prehistoric creatures, yes. where can our listeners find you? Uh, I would love if they would watch the next season of Lodge 49, which I've just been filming in Atlanta. Awesome. Which I get to join. I can't really say anything. Season more one than was that. great. Season one is fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, season two, I, I really do think it's going to be 
terrific. It's got a phenomenal guest stars. I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about the other people that are also joining. And it's going to be very exciting and fun. Um, Stan and Ollie, my brain's dried for anything And then you're else. on Twitter and... I'm on Twitter. I'm Twitter, Koozie Sane. And uh, Instagram. Twitter, I'm kind of on... I'm, I'm on Instagram, but with a weird name, because I'm like, oh, I don't like everything being connected. So really, Twitter is probably okay. the best place. I enjoy your Twitter as well, because you the, the comments underneath are great, because you've done... <laughs> You've done a lot of very good adult stuff, but you also were on a show that kids liked a lot <laughs> yes. back in the UK a while back. So. It's, it, every so often it gets repeated. So I was in a, something called House of Anubis on Nickelodeon, and I, was there, I filmed it for six months and I was basically the villain of the third season. Um, and uh, it, it, being a sassy villain in a show predominantly for teens gets you an interesting following <laughs> uh, because you know yeah, there are a lot yeah. of a lot of uh, fairly uh, gothic <laughs> moody uh, types out there who don't really want to go with the squeaky clean and have some very strong feelings about <laughs> have some some there's there's a lot of hormones in teenagers <laughs> it turns out and huh. some of them like writing fiction it's uh, yeah oh have you discovered yeah, some we... oh, we've got to wrap this up but we, <laughs> I, we have some digging to do though yeah. I, I have some research to yeah make. <laughs> yeah no i i try i do try not to actually because that's a whole rabbit hole i really don't yeah. want to go down so koozie saint on twitter watch stan and ollie definitely watch lodge 49 definitely as well the new AMC. season's coming out very soon august 12th that premiere very very That's cool awesome you can find us probablyscience.com uh at probably science individually at andy t wood at matt kershon come and see me in new york i think by the, this episode will drop just before i start my run it's at the Huron Club at the Soho Playhouse. It's part of the Daniel Sloss Presents series. I'm going to be there Thursday, Friday, Woo-hoo. Saturday. Let's pack this room out. If you know anyone in New York, please spread the words. I, the words? Please spread all of the words. Spread all the words. words. Spread the words. Uh, let people know. You can email us, probablyscience at gmail.com with any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Susie, for joining us. My pleasure. Yes, that was nice great. Listeners, back next week. See, See you then. Bye.